It's Pitch Invasion, episode number four of season two. Welcome to it once again. After a week where, if you are an Orlando Pirates fan, you are probably still trying to come to terms with what happened. You are without Coach Mitro, mm. but it's time for Rulani to step up. Wasn't a great way to start his tenure. We'll touch on that and so much more that happened in both the APSA Premiership and, of course, the MTN8 in South African football. A little before we cast our eyes to European football. Quick reminder, my name is Luazi Zgubu. Hola Makwaza, hurting, and yeah, what can I say? Pirates fans, we are in a mess. As much as you hurting, I've got a huge smile on my face, but uh, hey, look, it's football, so it does happen. And on the line, we've got a special guest on our 100th episode, or it's actually, no, it's a year, it's a year since we're on air. So, uh, Joe Maleleka, welcome to uh, Pitch Invasion once again, and uh, a special occasion, and you've just been saying that, uh, unfortunately, you're not with us in studio to have some shampopo after this, but uh, you're still very much a welcome guest on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Th- thanks, Loazi. And uh, yeah, good, good day to you guys uh, and uh, Kola as well. Day. Happy anniversary, guys. I would have loved to be there, but I think maybe, maybe you think I'll finish the champagne, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you speak about champagne. It's certainly on ice if you're an Orlando Pirates fan or if you're an Orlando Pirates player or in any way affiliated with the Buccaneers. Three defeats in three different competitions in a, a matter of a week. On top of that, you lose Coach Micho in some rather uh, shady circumstances. We're not going to touch too much on that, though. Joe, what do you think is going on over at Orlando Pirates right now? Yeah, look, I think in terms of the champagne being on the ice, I think they've uh, just placed the orders. It has not, it has not yet even arrived as yet. <laughs> they still have to wait for that to arrive. But look, it's been a, a turbulent week for, for Pirates. Uh, you know, 3-0 uh, uh, back-to-back uh, defeat. Uh, it's it obviously it's painful for Pirates supporters, but also to lose the coach, the coach as well. You know, Micho leaving the club unexpectedly, mm. bolt out of the blue. Although some people will say it's been a long time coming. I mean, for me, it was like it, it was a surprise. I knew at some point he was going to leave. Was there talk? Is he going to go to Bafana? I said he's not. He's never going to go to Bafana. Mm. Pirates will not allow him to, to go there. Is he going to Zamalek? Uh, I don't know. There's talk of him going to Zamalek. But what we know is that he's he's gone back home to attend to, to personal issues. But that would have had an impact on Pirates. But it's also an opportunity for Rolani to step up to the plate. Can he do that? Uh, well, we, we saw what happened over the weekend. Mm. You know, and my, my question, you know, is sort of based well, with the whole Pirates situation. You know, we've been talking for the last maybe year and a half about how good the project has been since coach Mitro came back to the picture and how mm. you know really quickly he's, he's taken parts back to you know where they feel they belong after especially that season where they finished outside the top eight where do you think that leaves a project right now yes you know we've touched on coach Rulani this is a new uh, you know new territory for him as well now as the head coach as the man who has the last uh, the final say officially but where do you think it leaves the project of Orlando Pirates I think it it shouldn't uh, affect the project uh, that much, really, mm. because if you come to think about it, I mean, Roland was there. Uh, he knows how to win, uh, and uh, Fadlu also has been there over the last couple, of, uh, you know, over the last season. He's been there. They've been working with Micho. All of them. They've been contributing uh, together. Mm. The players have been there. They know what is uh, at stake. They know what needs what needs to happen. I think they've obviously just gone over the last two two games. It's just a bad patch of results. But once they are back. Uh, to their winning, uh, you know, uh, formula, they should yeah. uh, continue with with the project that Micho has left. Because for me, uh, and this is my philosophy: if you if you're a good coach, 
uh, whether you're there or not, your team should still be able to to, to function uh, successfully. Yeah. Look at, uh, let me just uh, just to veer off a little bit, Bloemfontein Celtic, Steve Compella built that team. Mm. Steve is gone, the team continue, continue, continues to win. So it, it should be the same with, with Pirates. I think once they've gone over these uh, issues with Mitchell, they should be able to get back to their winning ways. Hmm. Okay, fair point from Joe. Ola, where do you stand in that? As both uh, a, a uh, an analyst and a fan of Orlando Pirates, uh, how how are things going at the moment, and where do you see them improving? You know, I, I must be honest to you. Um, I I have to slightly disagree. You know, because you know to lose three games in a row in three different competitions, something's wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? And you can't ignore the fact that you know possibly that you know the players you know had an inkling that okay Micho's going to leave and i'm hoping that is the reason that you know they found out that Micho's going to leave and maybe that you know didn't sit well with the players and their minds went into the game but you've got to remember they were hammered by supersport mm. right they didn't even look like they were in the game and against highlands park you know they they played okay they recovered but they also could have gone down big you know if highlands park were uh, with all due respect, a much better team. And I think this is probably a come to Jesus moment now where they have to get everybody together and say, guys, listen, it's three in a row. We are title contenders here because remember, the only team that looks like that can stop sundowns for the last couple of years is Pirates and maybe Vits, right? Yeah. And you, with three losses in a row, you know, I, I'm not so sure where the confidence is going to come from. And, you know, one of the biggest disappointing um or let me just say one of the disappointments of the losses was the mtn8 because mm. i mean that's the one thing that can bring immediate success it's a cup you know game and we can restore you know the season quickly by winning the mtn8 because that mm. was part of the problem over the last couple of years is that okay we've done well but we are the trophies yeah and that's gone but paul are you you guys won the Colin Black Label Cup, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and they did, Joe, and they couldn't stop celebrating about it. They couldn't stop telling us about Golo Daye already, and we're just like, guys. And I said, no, actually, something I did. I did say, guys, no, we are just glorifying the, the, the Colin Black Label, you know. And since, this was last week, since, in a matter of a week, what has happened? Three defeats back-to-back. And I think, you know, the one interesting thing for me was that, you know, it's almost like, you know, Rulani was shoved into this position. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, over the last year or two, you know, there's been these jokes about, oh, who's coach? Who's the mm. actual coach? Is it Rulani? Mm. Is it Mitro? But now I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking to myself, maybe Mitro took his secrets along with him, you know, and left and Mitro, you know, and, and Rulani was, you know, probably the guy that was actually the number two. And we thought, you know, he was coaching. Mm. But, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is that Fadlu Davids is still there. So, you know, if those two get together, I mean, Fadlu Davids, you know, had a successful run with Meritzburg, you know, yep. the season uh, before uh, last. And maybe if those two get together and formulate a plan, um, you know, to resurrect, you know, parts of the season. Because, guys, three losses in three different competitions. I'm sorry, I don't care what league you're from. That spells trouble. Okay, uh, I mean... From a neutral point of view, then, uh, both for you, Ola and Joe, uh, you know, uh, can we not then say at least, at the very least, for Pirates, it's happening this early in the season? So they've got literally all of the campaign to recover. And we know, based on the squad that they have, the quality that they have, that they've got the ability to, to, to recover, Joe. 
Yeah, look, I, I mean, uh, technically, I hear what Paul is saying. Uh, technically, it's not for me. It's not three uh, three games uh, in a row because you still have got the second leg for the for the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, if you win that, then then you through and then if they, they fail to win, it can that, boost your morale. If they yeah. fail to win that, if on the other side, that's a big yeah. if, guys. That's yeah. a big <laughs> if. That's a, that's a, <laughs> but you're playing at home. I think, yeah. I think uh, playing at home. Uh, we were at home against the, Highlands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, l- listen, I told a lot of people, I said, watch out for Highlands Park. Yeah. That team, mm. like when Owen Dagama says they've paid their school fees last season, he means it. <laughs> look at this team. Eh? Uh, you, a lot of teams are going to struggle against Highlands Park. Mm. The same way Cape Town City came into the scene, uh, you know, last season, everybody was struggling. Highlands Park, they've got the players, you know, they, they, they've got the hunger, they've got the desire. And the other thing, their home base, the stadium, they, uh, you know, when, when they're playing at home, mm. they're difficult to beat that. You know, and they get good numbers. Gonna, they get good numbers. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. They got good numbers and that's good for, for the morale there also. Okay, I'm glad you, you mentioned uh, uh, Cape Town City, uh, Joe, because what it does, this whole thing with Orlando Pirates, what has happened over the past couple of days, it leaves Coach Peter Mosimane, the who takes up the role in this analogy of the king of South African football and in the coaching landscape. It means Benny McCarthy, a, a knight in waiting, has now some competition in the two young coaches at Orlando Pirates in trying to catch Mamelodi Sundowns, which inadvertently, uh, some might say, is a good thing, is a further good thing for South African football and the young coaches that we are developing. No, it's good. You know, I, I also yeah. don't want to count Gavin out. You know, Gavin Hunt is still in the mix. Uh-huh. His wits are looking quite um, decent this season. Even after uh, the results um, in MTN8? Yeah, even after that result. I mean, okay. they, they've looked decent in the league. And you can never count any Gavin Hunt team out. But I think, you know, it would have been nice if, as much as I, I'm enjoying Fadlu at Pirates, but I think Fadlu, you know, for the sake of spreading out the young coaching talent, after this season, between him and Rulani, one of them have to stay. And, you know, I know uh, somebody said to me the other day, yeah, but look at Sundowns with uh, Mangoba and Mangoba. Mangoba. and um, mm-hmm. and, um, and Pizzo. And I think... Wendell, he, Wendell is there, yeah. Wendell is there oh, as well. well. Mm. And it's possible that Pirates could build, you know, something similar to Sundowns and have that core coaching group of, uh, of coaches. But the difference is those coaches are experienced. Right? Yes. yes, and it's much easier to get coaches who are experienced to sit down together and put pride aside. When you are young, hungry lions, you, your ambitions are still fresh. Yeah. You know, that be, can become a bit more difficult. And I, I just worry that, you know, maybe there could be some form of a, you know, a, 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 a clash between those two because essentially... You know, I don't think Fadlu just wants to be in the background. The guy mm. was the head coach of a team that was successful yeah. a couple of seasons ago. Mm. So he has ambitions of his own too. And I think if Savkin football wants to spread out that sort of um, pool of young coaches, I think the guys like Micho need to be the last in Savkin football where a guy can come in from obscurity as much as Micho's done well. Yeah. But now, guys, let's reset. Let's give young coaches a break let's give them a chance so i don't want to see another european coach you know flock into mm. the coaches flock into the country <laughs> with all due respect without being sounding xenophobic but can we just see guys like fatlu come into the mix can we just see those sort of coaches 
get we, opportunities as well. When, when we talk about young yeah. coaches, and uh, Joe, this is for you. When we talk about young coaches, uh, what 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 sort of the, the, the age gap that are we using? Uh, someone like Clinton Larson, who has gone to Chipper and has made them even more difficult to beat. Does he qualify as a young coach? Yeah. Um, and you look at... I- you add uh, sorry before before uh, you do answer. You add someone like uh, Lechonolo Siema at, at 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 Celtic, who alongside John Maduka are doing a fine job with a young squad. Uh, so you know we, we do have a very nice uh, uh, sort of umbrella of of young coaches. But I just want to you know before we do move on, where do we stop when we say you use the term young coach? Well, I mean, considering that in the past you've had like 60-year-old, 70-year-old, you know, you know, going and coming back, guys who are close to pension, yeah. you know, a 50-year-old, 40-year-old for me, if, even at, a, at 35, I mean, it's uh, uh, even at 35, you know, the former Chelsea coach is going to Russia, Village Boas, yeah. Osaka, under under 40. You know, you can have under 40s, uh, you know, taking the taking charge of Pirates and Chiefs. But, you know, the, the position at Pirates, it's so much pressure. Because you're going to get disappointed. There is a European coach coming to coach Orlando Pirates if they cannot get Pito, of course. Oh. You know, that's what's going to happen. So, so you, know, you, you, you need someone uh, with international experience to, to be coaching at uh, a club like uh, could Orlando Could he be Pirates Portuguese with grey hair that used to coach <laughs> Man United or Chelsea? I'm, I'm not sure. Cause... Uh, no, no, no. We yeah, don't. look, uh, look he, he, it, 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 it's gonna it's gonna happen, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be a big name, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a big name, you know, with uh, you know, high, high ambition. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next uh, couple of weeks if you hear that Pirates have got a new coach. But, but you know what, my problem will be with that, Joe, as a Pirates fan, mm-hmm. is that yeah. you know the season has just kicked off. This coach still has to acclimatize in so many ways. He still has to pick his you know, starting 11, his team and his yeah. methods and so forth. We don't even know how well he can speak the language and so forth. So there's yeah. a lot of yeah. personal adjusting that that guy has to do before we even get to on the field stuff. Now, when we get to on the field yeah. stuff, there's a momentum that this guy has to rebuild. And, you know, I'd rather stick with Rulanio and Fadlu right now because they were, they've been there the last season or two. And they at least mm. have an idea of what to do. So if this guy just comes in, and I think that was the issue that Chiefs had with uh, yep. Solinas last season, was that the guy one of the many, many, you know, one issues. of many. The guy came in the middle of the night and you know was asked to turn Chiefs around. And I mean, the guy <laughs> still had to adjust. I don't even think he even had bought a home yet before he'd even taken to the field. You know, so are we? Are we? Are we? You know, before we quickly move on from Rulani because there's so mm. much else to talk about. But are we? Because it sounds like. We are all in agreement in some sort of way that perhaps this is too early for Roland to be the head coach for a, a, a an extended period. So, do, do, is, is that is that is that where we are, Joe? Is this is it not the time for him to take over as permanent head coach? Look, if the thing is, it's it's up to him. If he feels he's ready mm. for for the challenge, he's gonna be honest and say yes, I'm ready. I mean, mm. he's he's a, a keen student of the game. I mean, Rolani reads, he does research. Yeah. You know, he, he always con- continuously refreshes himself. Whether the players will respond or react quickly to what he wants them to do, it's it's another it's another thing. And I think it's once again when I say a part is a big club, you need probably uh, another coach. If he's gonna be the head coach. They've got Fadu as the assistant. They're probably going to have to get another assistant coach to to assist to make sure mm. that the whole team is taken is taken care of. Because you also have to manage the other dynamics. The players who are not playing, you need to have someone who's going to look after them to make sure that they do not, uh, you know, become a negative uh, influence 
on the team overall. So you mm. need someone who will be able to, to manage that as well. Personally, I think, yes, give him the chance. He's, he's, he's been to Sundowns. He knows what it's like. Uh, you know, he knows how to win. So yeah. if he's ready, give him the job. But otherwise, I think knowing uh, Paris from uh, uh, history, I think they'll probably go out and get another experience in brackets, a coach, mm. to make sure that he takes the team forward. So I, I know we have to move off this topic, but I just want to say something that, you know, the, the reason why I'm saying for the sake of South African football, Rulani or maybe let's say someone like Fadlu Davis needs to move on and find another job from Pirates, more so Rulani, is that I worry about uh, the culture dynamic with, within the player and the relationships. Because remember, Rulani was the assistant coach. And with most sports teams, yeah. the assistant coach is, is often the, the, the middleman between the coach. And he's the guy that you see as a friend. Mm. He's the guy, that, the shoulder to lean on in the team. And now in the middle of the night, they've turned that around and now he has to be the main man. Yeah. And I wonder if the players can relate, then change their way or let's just say change the way they view Rulani now. Because Rulani now has to crack the whip. So Rulani two weeks ago was the guy maybe, hey guys, let's go have some um, a meal and let's go discuss, you know, maybe something that coach said. Yeah. And, you know, very yeah. friendly to the players. And now all of a sudden he has to be you know, the the one, you know, cracking the whip. Yeah. And I wonder if that's yeah. going to translate well into the players. Hence, I say to you, that's my only fear with this season, uh -huh. if Rulani takes over, is that I wonder if the players themselves can quickly adjust from three weeks ago, this guy being, you know, like a friend to me. Yeah. Now, he's like my boss. Okay. Well, that's, that's a, a fair yeah. point. A, a very good that's point. A, it's a valid point. Yeah. 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 A very a val valid point. But I guess, yeah, we can only wait and see what's going to happen. Uh, with that story and with the Lando Pirates, I think we can all uh, as well agree that what they need to do is win their next game. Whatever competition it is, whatever game they're coming, uh, they're playing, whomever they're facing, they need to win that game in order just to get back on track. Because, you know, when the season started, we expected Pirates to really kick off from where they were last season and build on that. But uh, it hasn't been a great week in any way or form for the Buccaneers. But a side that is having a fantastic week and we'll be hoping to continue with that is Supersport United. 3-0 during, uh, uh, during the week in the Absa Premiership. 3-0 as well in the MTN8. Both times against two of the big sides in South African football. Young players showing up, experienced players showing up, Joe. I don't know. I don't know. Has Supersport United turned the corner after being beaten by Sundowns in their opening game of the season? Uh, where do you stand on that? <laughs> Look, I, I think uh, the, the MPNH semi-final is going to uh, be a, a big test uh, for them. Yeah. Obviously, having lost in, in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in the first game. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, but you, you have to have a look at uh, how they turned around, you know, the first defeat of the season because mm. that actually could have... Uh, gone, uh, things could have gone south. Yeah. But they recovered quickly, beat Orlando Pirates 3-0. And I think uh, it was uh, a, a wise of them to play that game at Mbombella. You know, the Pirates, psychologically, they're always thinking, hey, 5-0, are we going to get another Chisampama <laughs> at Mbombella? <laughs> What's their no, I don't lie. At, at 3, at 3 no, with about 25 <laughs> minutes remaining, I was like, ah, yeah, oh. we're going back <laughs> to 5. <laughs> there we go again. And then you're going to lose the coach. Uh, you know, straight after the game. Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> but I, yes, seriously. Oh, go ahead, to Continue. <laughs> you know, I must yeah, say. But, but seriously, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, now go on, John. No, go on, John. I, I, I was, I was saying. Look, look at the, look at the player. I think look at the players. Uh, you know, uh, young Bule. I mm. mean, it's uh, this young, this youngster. He's, uh, he's just a marvel to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bradley Robles seems to have found, you know, a, a fine uh, 
somebody compliments him uh, in in up front uh, in uh, Kabuza. <laughs> Kabuza, remember he was he was booed by his own fans, mm. you know, against against Pirates. But the coach persisted with him to say, you know, what, he's got qualities. He's a fighter. He puts him on against vets and he he does the job for him. Yeah. That builds his confidence. The fact that he was able to take the ball to say, I'm gonna score this penalty, and he scored the penalty. I think a lot of teams are gonna struggle uh, against Super Sport United this season. Yeah, Ola. Uh, unlike you guys, I'm not moved whatsoever. <laughs> Supersport did this last year. They went on a 10, what is it, 12 or something game unbeaten run. Yeah. And then before you know it, they were scratching at, you know, they were clutching at straws where they were going to get into the top eight. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm not phased whatsoever. But what I will say, where I think uh, Coach Tembo has to be given praise, is what he's done with Kabuza. Guys, we're talking about a guy that was pronounced dead upon arrival of the season. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was he was yeah. chased out at Orlando Pirates mm. essentially. And you know, uh, Kaitana Temo looked at him and said, No, listen, I have a game plan here and it involves this guy. And I think yeah. there's a page that a lot of coaches in South Africa can take from that. Because often we sign on reputation and we sign on name. Gabuz is the complete opposite. His reputation was down and his name was down. Yeah. But there was something yeah. that uh, Kaitana Tembo saw and said, you know what, I- I'm not going to listen to the press. I'm not going to listen to the media, black Twitter. I'm not listening to any of you, right? There is something I see in this guy that is going to fit into my system. And I wish a lot of coaches can just adopt that style and sign players that, you know, if you can see that, listen, I can use this guy for this sort of game plan that I have it can mm. work. A guy that comes into mind is Chabu Maluleke. As much as he's a vampire and he's probably 105 years old, <laughs> right? But the guy, th- there's something that guy does on the field mm. that, you know, I think he could give, you know, a team like a Chiefs or Pirates extra. You might not want him to start every game. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sitting here and there's a post of the Chiefs 2004 team and I'm looking at Shoes Mushweu. When Chiefs brought mm. Shoes Mushweu back in those days, they didn't. It was house money. They mm. didn't expect, you know, shoes to be, you know, rolling back the years. But there was something that shoes could bring yeah. that they knew would work, and Gabuza has exactly done that. And I'm telling you now, <laughs> I mean, you're looking at the Bafana setup. What was the one issue we had uh, at Epcot? It was goals. Don't know. Right? It was yeah. goals. And right. I'm telling Gabuza, you now, Gabuza and Bafana. I'm not saying. Story, I'm not saying Gabuza must replace people like Lebu Motiba or something. But what I'm saying is that. Maybe there's a strategy where you have the bigger guy in Kabuza and Hrobla operating in and around there. And I think, you know, we might have to start putting some respect on Kabuza's name. Yeah, we've got got a tall guy in Las Vegas. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I wanted to ask, Joe, what what do you think? Because, I mean, again, it's only it's very early in the season, but. It seems like there's, you know, a good understanding between Krobla and Kabuza. Uh, you know, from, 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 you know, if you outside looking in, it, they both seem like similar type of players, but they seem to work. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why is this Kabuza krobla uh, you know, a partnership starting to take off like this? I think just the hunger, the desire to, you know, to, to make things happen. And I think also the one player who also does, uh, makes things happen for them is the young Bule. I mentioned mm. Bule. Just watch yeah. him, you know, on the ball, you know, the confidence, you know, his, his distribution. He, he seems to be focused. Yeah. And then add another one, you know, uh, in uh, Section 10, you know, Kalinge. You know, once he starts, once he starts playing, people will probably start referring to Super Sport. 
as your pirate's light because then you've got the Kalinge, you've got, <laughs> and then you've, you've got a Gawuza there who's probably yeah. going to be winning matches for, for Super Sport this mm. season. So I, I can't wait to see uh, Kalinge you know, also playing uh, in, in the coming matches. Ah, that's going to be very uh, good to watch. But And it, what really has been uh, sort of taking me uh, by surprise is just how enterprising Super Sport United look going forward. They they haven't been a team that you would you know uh, refer to as enterprising going forward for a couple of seasons now, but uh, they seem to have yeah. some good going on and uh, again yeah they are gonna you know disappoint a lot of teams this season especially if you uh, come at them uh, at face value so uh, congratulations to them yeah. they threw to uh, the mtn8 semi-finals where they will meet Ish, yeah uh, a site uh, that yeah. doesn't get <laughs> it really doesn't get easier from there but uh, you know they would have probably looked at that draw and and, and hoped for either highlands park or Pologwane, but meeting Sundowns now, some some say it's a good thing because they can literally uh, get their revenge immediately. Others say, yeah, no, it's the end of the road. Uh, Ola, where do you stand uh, as far as that is concerned? You know what? Um, I think a, a game like this for Supersport, I think it's come at a better time because remember, I think Supersport for them, we've got to put some respect on their name. Mm. These guys are, you know, PSL champions too, yep. right? And it Cup wasn't as well. it wasn't 50 years ago. It wasn't. This is we're talking about recent history, so they do have some pedigree, and you know they want to add on to that. And in cups, and especially exactly, mm. and in cups as well. So I don't think they will fear sundowns this time around. I mean, even in the league game, you know, it's not like they were outplayed, you know, completely. It was just one or two mistakes that literally <laughs> led to their demise. So I think it's a good time for them to say, okay, we can regroup. The first game. Didn't go so well. Here's what we've learned and we're making amends. Mm. And I mean, I don't think you can beat Pirates and Bidvis Vits 3-0 and go into a game. I don't care at what stage against Sundowns and be fearful. Mm. So I, I wouldn't be... And I'm going to call this now. Uh, Joe, I hope you can chip in uh, 50 <laughs> bucks with me on here. And I'm going to call this an upset and Supersport are going to beat uh, Sundowns. Who are you betting against? No, Supersport will beat Sundowns. Okay, all right. <laughs> Joe? Yeah, yeah, look, I, 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 can't dis I can't disagree with you there for a, a, a few reasons. Obviously, Sundowns, they still have got the, you know, commitments mm. uh, to, to, worry, to worry about. But, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, derbies, uh, this is one of the most exciting derbies we have in the PSL. So it's David's big, but Pretoria David's more exciting. These guys, they don't hold back. They go at each other. They give the fans, you know, value, value for money. When you go watch this, this team, you leave the stadium and thinking, wow, this was really an exciting game. Mm. And then that's what that's what we're going to we're going to have. Yes, Super Sport might, might win it, but it's, it's going to be close. It's over two legs. Maybe they're going to hold back in the first leg and then go at each other in the second half. But whichever way, we're going to get value for, for money in this game. Oh, actually, I wonder if both games are going to be played at uh, Morripe Stadium, home and away. Oh, there was a AC Milan and uh, Inter Milan. Yeah. There was a cup uh, season where they, where they had to play at, uh, both legs at the Sun uh, Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, look, you can go you can go Lucas Morripe and then the other one you can go to Loftus. Yeah. Or if you are smart super sport, take them to Mbombela. Take them to Mbombela. I think, yeah, that's what Super Sport United must do. Just take them to Mbombela. It will work out. But what, what I think what will be interesting, before we talk about Polawana City and uh, Highlands uh, Park a bit, because they deserve a shout out as well. But for these two teams, who do you think needs this cup more, Joe? Do, do you feel sundowns? And we, you know, it's, it's well documented how long they've gone without winning this title. 
Uh, do you think they need yeah. it, they need it more at this stage, or do you think SuperSport United, uh, you know, uh, are in need of a, a cup title at this stage? No, but bo- bo- both of them they, they they need it. I mean, SuperSport United, obviously, you know, to to win, they haven't won uh, cups uh, in, in it's been a while now. I mean, for a former league champions, you know, they also need to to, to start winning. I think probably the last one, Netbank Cup with uh, Stuart Stuart Baxter. Pizzo also, on the other hand, if you think, I think this is the only cup that he, has, he hasn't won as, as, as a coach. So mm. they, there's an extra motivation for him to say, I become the first coach to win all cups on offer, you know, on the, on the South African uh, uh, f- f- football uh, season. So mm. that, that would be something amazing for Pizzo. Then he'll be left with nothing really to win, whether he goes to Bafana, he goes to Paris or whatever, he'll say, I've won all, all the cups on offer. So yeah. for all both teams, I think, there's a, there's a lot at stake for both teams. That is why I'm saying they're not going to hold back. They're going to give us uh, you know great value for our money. Mm. Well, what we do know is that only one of them, if either of them win, only one of them yeah. will be winning and only one of the two will be in the final because in the other semi-final, yeah. Polokwane City against Highlands Park. We've touched on Highlands Park. Polokwane City, uh, there's a, another team that you know has seemingly uh, decided to take to pick up from where they left off last season. A great feat for them to be in the top yep. eight, and the way they played uh, against Cape Town City, uh, you know, again mm. does suggest that should they be in the final, whoever they meet, it's not going to be a, an easy outing, is it? Yeah, no, it's definitely not. I mean, I think I think think about it. I mean, the banter between them and Cape Town City, and for them to go and beat Cape Town mm. City away from home, yes, I understand Cape Town City were playing. You know, not at their home venue, but yeah. they were playing in Cape Town. But for Polokwane City to score and not to concede against Cape Town City, you know, that that that, that is uh, something else. It, it shows you the hunger, the desire. You mentioned Kola, you mentioned Jabu. Uh, you know, he's probably on his final legs. It will be nice for him to leave or to uh, end of the season with something, you know, to say I've won at least a trophy with, with, with Polokwane City. But yeah. they've got a lot of exciting players in that team. But also Highlands Park, it's it's another team. If you look at Owen Dagama, you know how he's uh, built his team. You know, Freeze as well. You know the way they they, they put the, the team together. It's it, it's it's very exciting. It's a team that doesn't go not to lose, but it's a team that goes out to win. And yeah. I always I enjoy watching teams like that. A team that goes out to win, not a team that goes to say let us not 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 lose the game. That's not the kind of team that you want to watch. Okay, all right. So we, we we've heard you and Ola say that SuperSport United have a good chance of getting past Sundowns in the first semi-final. Uh, in this particular one, uh, which way do you see it going? Polokwane City or Highlands Park? Hey, it's going to be tight. I'll probably say Polokwane uh, uh, City, but it's going to be very close. Yeah? Polo- okay, Polokwane yeah, City. Yeah, I, I must say I'm also jumping on um, Joe's bandwagon there with Polokwane City. You know, one thing I must say about Polokwane City is that you know they're the one team that you can be guaranteed you're gonna you know, there's going to be some entertainment. And yeah. I'm not just talking about dribbling. Yeah. I'm talking about some good football because they actually play some really, really good football. And I think in the game against Cape Town City, if you noticed, you know, they actually they actually tore Cape Town City apart tactically. And for the first time in a while, yeah. I saw Ben in a post-match interview where he, he was lost for words. <laughs> and, you know, you've got to give credit to the owner of Bulukwana City over the last you know, let's say three years, because they've also made some significant investment in making sure yeah. that they are competitive. And these are the sort of teams in in, in our in our uh, footballing landscape that, you know, we need to see emerge. We need to see those teams. Because remember, we always talk about the big three and obviously, you know, Vitz also being in that four and maybe super sport. But you look at our mm. cities, you know what I mean? In Cape Town, we've got one team. Yeah. 
uh, okay, well, now it's Stellenbosch. But, you know, you look yeah. at Bloemfontein, we've got Celtic and so forth. And then you look in Pulukwane, there is a hotbed that is brewing. That, yeah. In fact, it's there right now. It's there. So we need to also expand our level of, of, um, of appreciation and, you know, open our eyes to those cities. Because you look at what's happening in the Premier League, um, yeah. It, it's it's common now when you say, you know, playing Stoke on a cold, rainy night on Tuesday. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But that has sold, you know, it's been sold to the world. So much yeah. so that Stoke have four Champions League winners <laughs> in their team. Do you know what I mean? So there is a a, 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 um, a culture that's brewing in Pulukwana where on I a, can actually a, say... On a hot Saturday, on a hot, hot Sunday they, afternoon. Um, that's in exactly Toyando. where I was going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and we yeah, need to yeah, attract yeah. more of these players... You know, to say, hey, look, man, there's something happening in Pulukwana City. Mm. You know, why must I sit at the bench of Chiefs and Pirates? Yeah. You know, and then mm. in a year's time, I might not even feature when Pulukwana has got, you know, a lot to offer. So I think big up to Pulukwana and, you know, their owner for actually taking that team seriously and investing in it. Mm. Okay. All right. And yeah. they could find themselves in a, a cup final. Uh, could Bologna City up against Highland Park in one of the semi-finals of the MTN8. Joe, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. We'll have a, a, a cup of Shampopo for you uh, and in uh, thank in thank and uh, should you, just to show our, uh, how grateful we are for your time and your expertise as well. Yeah, it's been great. I know you also wanted to talk about the top strikers. You're never going to have time for that. But think about uh, Daniel Mudauchi, Sampama, Dennis Slaughter. You know, Sean Butler, when he came back to South Africa, those mm. are some of the key strikers. Uh, we want to go back to and either way, it scores more than 20 goals a season. So no pressure on the likes of Gabuza and Bradley Krobler then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think Gabuza can do it. Can do it. He's, he's, he's got ah, guys, you can't, you, can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take a man who scored two goals per season on average for 10 seasons no, well, and expect him to score 20, he, guys. He has to compete against Eric Martel first. So... <laughs> 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 Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. All right, guys. Been good. Cheers, guys. Sure. Cheers, cheers. You are listening to the Pitch Invasion Podcast, the podcast for football travelists. Just a reminder that football fans are both the dumbest and the smartest people on God's green earth. That that was uh, Tottenham Hotspur fans uh, singing their love and appreciation for VAR, which once again was at the center of attention when they met Manchester City. If you throw back a couple of months ago in the Champions League, uh, the knockout was VAR again that denied City a last-minute winner. And fast forward a couple of months... And it was VAR again that denied Gabriel Jesus uh, what would have been a winner and an enthralling Premier League clash between the two sides at the Etihad. But uh, at the end of the day, to all the final score, VAR to thank. Yeah, you know, the best by VAR. You know, um, <laughs> VAR, VAR, VOOM. Uh, you know, VAR is, is, is a funny topic because, I mean, so many people over the last, I'd probably say 10 to 20 years, you know, I've been calling on some sort of a review system. You know, we've had 
Goals being denied, clearances off the line. Mm. You remember the Carroll Man United incident? Oh, yeah. And, you know, people have been calling out for some form of technology. And now that it's here, it seems like, you know, people are now like, oh, actually, you know what, maybe we don't want this. And, mm. you know, what? I, I'm not going to complain about VAR because I'm the sort of person that I've called for some form of technology to review certain decisions. And I believe there's so many games that would have changed the course of history so many coaches so many clubs mm. so many players you know careers were ended because var wasn't around mm. so i'm pro var and i think you know football fans need to look at it from this perspective that every sport has got some form of review system where technology is used yeah you look at cricket you with the hotspot you look at tennis and and, and so forth right every sort of a sport has that and if the decision is right, what are we complaining about? Was, because, was the decision because now, right because now, you know what the, the issue is now? Now the issue is, okay, yeah, but we just want at least a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, a controversy in football. You've had it for 20, <laughs> for what, 100 years? And how many, like I said, how many jobs were lost because yeah. of that? You know, so I think we, we, we can't be on the one hand, you know, want a piece of it. And then say when it's here and say, yeah, but it's ruining this aspect. You either have it or you don't have yeah. it. And quite frankly, to the teams that, you know, like Man City who have been burnt by VAR, how about just winning the damn game? Do you <laughs> know what I mean? How, how about winning the damn game? Well, some, some might say they did everything to win that game. They were on top of Spurs uh, for the majority of the clash before that that moment really of, of uh, controversy that you, you talk about. And I want to ask you though, because you mentioned something about uh, the decision. Was it the right decision? Letter of the law, spirit of the law. <clears throat> spirit of the law. As a football fan, <laughs> let it go, Riff. You know, like, just play on, man. You know, but at the end of the day, when you look at NVR, a hand was used. Mm. Do you know what I mean? A hand was used to, to give yeah. Man City the advantage for yeah. that ball. Because let's face it, <clears throat> if it went off the shoulder, it would have probably bounced taking a funny a bounce somewhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A different direction. Or maybe if it hit his head, it probably would have gone higher or backwards. Mm. Maybe it would have gone in, who knows? But the hand made it, you know, uh, made it in such a way that it fell perfectly to mm. Gabriel Jesus because it took off momentum off the ball. Yeah. So, that's uh, who, not allowed. Do, do you, uh, who, who actually, who called for VR? Was it the ref or was it VAR actually instructing him to, let, wait, we're going to have a look at this again. You know what? Because I, I asked that because it was such, such, Minimal, like such small margins. I mean, naked eye, yeah. you did not see anything wrong with it. You know, that's the other interesting thing. And I, uh, being a solutions-orientated person, mm -hmm. I have a solution to this. <coughs> Excuse me. I think like you see in, uh, you know, the NBA, you see in the NFL, coaches have challenges. Yeah. A coach's challenge. And I think, you know, you see it in cricket as well. And I think every team should have a maximum of two challenges per game. Right, per game. And I think that will soften VAR mm. for me. Because I think if you have, if you say every team has got a maximum of two challenges, then we can say, okay, guys, you don't want us to review every single thing. Because at the end of the day, guys, this is a contact sport and it's a physical sport, yeah. right? Half of anything that happens in a corner <laughs> with VAR is a yeah. penalty, right? So there is also the human element of, okay, how much do we let go? You know, mm. so I think... In order to marriage, you know, VAR and the spirit of the game and, you know, the physical side, 
I think every coach needs to have have a maximum of two challenges where you know you either throw a flag or mm. you press a button or whatever and you can say I would like that review mm. because then at least as fans at because remember the fans at the stadium don't know yeah. uh, that you know who's calling VR and they can't see it in the screen so I think it it's then it gives us as um, as fans also a perspective into okay it's being challenged and they want to see if the decision is mm. right as opposed to okay some referee deems that this is right and only he's looked at it yeah. he hasn't made the decision and that's what the NFL get right because if you challenge something in the NFL and you get it wrong your challenge obviously gets taken it, back yeah. but it's your decision that you've taken that you're saying okay I think there was a foul there and I'm putting my challenge down and I think that will probably be you know the better course of direction mm. to you know make VAR more acceptable in football I, I actually I'm, I'm wondering to myself right now did did Spurs in that moment the defenders were around that area did they actually appeal no they didn't that's H- the thing hence I'm saying to mm. you that th- there is the human element of yeah. war because it is a contact sport so you know you know we're trying to get an, an advantage mm. over one another we're pushing we're pulling and so forth yeah. so that is going to happen but the problem is that in most cases this is one of the issues I had with uh, diving and fouls and so forth in football is that you know the same foul outside the box certain fouls outside the box and certain you know that specific foul if it happens in the box is not a penalty mm. and vice versa the ref will say play on yeah and that's where you know questions came into play as to okay well what is a foul what is not a foul because then players you know dive because they think okay well outside the box i might not get this call but yeah. inside the box if i fall right a penalty is not going to be called so <laughs> I, I just think, honestly, the players obviously are still playing within the competitive spirit of the game, you know, the physical side and mm. so forth. So in the heat of the moment, the adrenaline, I don't think anybody's going to be mindful that, gosh, you know, if I actually tug on his arm, yeah. VR might be watching. But because it's there now, that is going to constitute as a foul. So my system, get a challenge review system. Every coach, every team has got two challenges. Mm. And you work it from there. And again, we go back to cricket. You look at how cricket has handled it, right? Mm. There's the umpire's call, mm. right? And it's whether if it's outside the line. Mm. So that even within that system, it tries to give the umpire the benefit of the doubt as yeah. much as possible. Because at the end of the day, he's made a decision. I mean, bowlers are bowling at 140, 150 kilometers an hour. He has to look for no balls mm. and look up for LBW. So, you know, man you know that that's quite a, a, a an ask so they've made sure that the technology in some way doesn't necessarily change his decision but it either corrects or supplements his decision yeah. because it's all about where you can see his perspective and i think with var it's not about anybody's perspective it's whether it really handball or handball yeah you know goal which, or no which goal. is which is i guess it really doesn't help in it I, i'll tell you what at the, one team and coach that is absolutely tired of VAR is Pep Guardiola. He's had enough of VAR in the last couple of months. And win the games, Pep. <laughs> Look, again, game. again. I, 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 and, need, and I mean, I'm not a City fan, but they did more than enough to try and win it. They had plenty of chances. Where was Gabriel Jesus when the score was 5-0 <laughs> against? Where, where was he? Unfortun- you know I mean? Unfortunately. Where was unfortunately, he? No one said anything about when Sergio Aguero's penalty had to be retaken. Yeah. They didn't say Jack. Mm. I mean, where was Gabriel Jesus then? I feel you. I feel you. But either way, Spurs definitely uh, got away with one there. But uh, what it does again show, I mean, they 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 
managed to fight back twice. What it does show was that once again, Mauricio Pochettino is going the right direction at Spurs, and uh, they've got a you know another great chance of making the top four this season i saw questions being asked are they ready to challenge for the title again i just think they'll fall just short but they are going to be a fixture in that top four uh, once again but another weekend where we saw liverpool win had to grind out a result uh, arsenal had to grind out a result uh, saw a draw between spurs and city uh, chelsea they dropped points uh, yet another sort of setback for frank lampard if go back to what I said last week, yeah. collateral damage. Hey, That's what man. Frank Lampard is, and, and they should have lost that you know, game because Leicester. They should have lost that strong. game, you know. And I feel sorry for Frank because I mean, this is you know, I mean, who didn't like Frank Lampard? He was one of those likable characters, likable players, and when he when he went on to coaching, carried that you know as well. Mm. And I'd hate to see his legacy be tarnished by this, you know pre-season tour squad that they've left him with mm. that he has to contend with for the rest of the season because you know you wonder now the sort of knocks into his managing career you know what that will do you know with uh, with this season with such a team mm. I mean Steven Gerrard could have I'm not saying he could have taken the Liverpool job but you know he could have been in the mix for the Liverpool job but he probably would have taken it at the wrong time but yeah. now he's at Rangers and he's excelling and he's building his reputation and Maybe we're starting to wonder if maybe Frank should have just said, you know what, let me take the Chelsea job when I can spend. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, either way, what it uh, has done this past weekend is paint a nice picture for us uh, heading to, uh, I think, you know, if, 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 if you, you know, if you forget about the United Chelsea game, opening game of the season, can't read too much from that. But we're heading to blockbuster, real blockbuster number one of the season. That's going to be... Liverpool up against Arsenal at Anfield. And uh, a comment from Emery. He says, we don't ever want to play against Liverpool. Whether that was, you know, that can be taken with a pinch of salt, I'm not too sure. But Ola, as a, from a, an Arsenal point of view, there's never a good time to play Liverpool. But again, you just have to play them. And, and the schedule says you have to go and play. Now you have to go and play. Well, look at it this way. Last season, Arsenal were, you know, coming into the third game, right? And I think that third game was West Ham. Uh, at home, which was not going to be easy, but they were having lost the opening two. Yes. Exactly right, nil from six, and they go into Anfield six from six in terms of points. So, I think the confidence and the spirit is a lot better. And the one thing that I think is in Arsenal's favour is that Liverpool don't seem like they've found that gear yet. Mm. I know they beat Norwich, but Norwich also looked good. Yeah, you know, in that game. And they had to grind against Southampton. So, you know, we're not talking about a Liverpool that's in full flight here. Whereas Arsenal, they're also not in full flight. But, you know, it, they're in a better position than they've been coming into Anfield. And I think, you know, what's going to be crucial in this game, more than anything, of course, the defence, you know, of Arsenal. That's what's been the problem. But I think it's also just the big players now need to stand up in these big games. Because... You know, Who one are Arsenal's big players. Oh well, Aubameyang. Mm. That's the thing. If you play Aubameyang and Lacazette, you know they'll have to stand up. But I think you know Aubameyang to me last season was a fantastic player. But there were a few big games where I felt that he just didn't step up. Yeah. You know, you look at the Spurs penalty. You look at Man United. Uh, uh, sorry, um, um, the, the City game, and. You know, you look at the Liverpool game too, and I, I just feel like the big players in these games this season are going to be called upon. So, Ceballos impressed me, 
you know, and yeah, I think he's impressive. gonna have a really, really good game. He'll have to step up because I mean, this is a guy that's played at Real for Real Madrid. Mm. He knows all about that pressure. Aubameyang has to step up. If Lacazette and, and them start, he has to step up. And I'd like to see Pepe in the mix at some point. But the key thing for Arsenal is work rate. Because one thing Liverpool have in abundance is work rate. You cannot outwork Liverpool. The mm. talent, I mean, Jordan Henderson, uh, Wijnaldum and James Milner aren't exactly world beaters, yeah. right? But they have a level of you know hard work that is second to none. And I think if Arsenal can just match Liverpool pound for pound hard work, the talent is there. The goals, you know, bombing like I said, the goals mm. are there. It's just all about work rate. And I think if you're Arsenal, this is the opportune time for you to play Liverpool before they've actually hit their strap. Mm. So I'm really confident as an Arsenal fan. And I wouldn't be surprised if we chalk out a draw. A win would really be a bonus. Well, if they do win, uh, Arsenal, if you guys do win, that's... Three wins from three to start the season. You know, it was the first time winning back-to-back opening games in like nine years or something like that. Well, but seriously, yeah. Sheesh. yeah, that is an, a mighty long time if you're a Gunners fan. Mighty long time if you're at you know any big team really to uh, not win your first two games in such a long period. But uh, uh, you know, uh, as Paula has just painted the picture, Arsenal will have to match Liverpool pound for pound at Anfield with that crowd, and uh, you know, again. Perhaps this is the most opportune, if there ever was a word, time to play uh, Liverpool because I think we can all agree they haven't quite gotten into gear yet. Even uh, the Super Cup game against Chelsea, they were under pressure for large parts of that clash. In fact, the first 45 minutes, I think, was fair you game You cannot tell me Sabayos is not licking his lips when he saw <laughs> Mason Mount and them have a good game. You know what I mean? Uh, we'll see. We, we, uh, that's all I can say. We'll see. But uh, hopefully by the weekend, uh, uh, United would have made it uh, three, two, two wins from two, two wins from two as well. Uh, they've got a very difficult test up at Wolves uh, this week. But yes, we'll see exactly what happens by the weekend when Anfield is rocking ahead of that Liverpool and Arsenal clash. And you had a chat about uh, uh, big players. There's a couple of big names that are still, uh, you know, we're not really sure where they'll be playing uh, when the full European season starts. That's in, in, in Serie A and La Liga get underway. La Liga is underway. Serie A not quite yet. Uh, I'm not sure if the Bundesliga, Bundesliga is underway as well uh, but we did see Philippe Coutinho now a, uh, a a Bavarian at least for a season on loan from Barcelona another name that uh, could very well end up in Spain or rather Italy is uh, United's big money signing of Alexis Sanchez I wonder if he's going to have uh, a, another was it piano introduction at Inter yeah, should he go should he, should he go? I can only imagine <laughs> the bill that Ed Woodward and the rest of Manchester United have spent on the champagne that is currently in the freezer <laughs> waiting to pop it once they get rid of Alexis oh man I think that's possibly Manchester United's worst transfer in a very and that's saying very something. long time that is saying something and you know, Alexis just didn't turn up for them yeah. he just didn't turn up I mean they they didn't even get 10% of the Alexis you know, from Arsenal. And what made it worse were the, the wages he was on, you know. So they're probably celebrating and thinking, okay, you know what, we've got that, that off um, our books. Because part of the problem with Alexis wasn't just on the field, it was off the field mm-hmm. in terms of negotiating ploys. Because now players signing for, like Dybala comes in and says, well, can you match, can you give me what Alexis is giving, mm-hmm. uh, is getting? And they're saying, no, sorry, we can't. 
well, I'm not coming. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's been the stumbling block for a few players that United have tried to sign, even within their own wage structure. So now that he's gone, that frees it up and they're able to reset their wage structure. And I think for Alexis, look, he has enough left in the tank. I mean, he had a really good Copa America. So, he did, actually. Yep. You know, and he's going back to familiar grounds in Italy. And I just feel that Alexis is one of those players that, you know, he thrives on confidence, you know. And when his morale is low and when his confidence is low, you know, he just doesn't play well. So hopefully at Inter, and he'll link up with his teammate, you know, a former <laughs> teammate in Romelu Lukaku. So hopefully, you know... Both of those guys can... Well, Lukaku is still on the rise. But for Alexis, I think this is now the twilight years of his career. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully he can just put in a shift for the next couple of seasons in the top flight. Then I think possibly see Alexis in China in 2021. So I don't yeah. think it's a bad move for him. And he just needs to get away from the club. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a... It's a a win-win situation really for all parties involved. Inter will get a, a player that at his best is still, you know, one of the best in the world. Uh, United will get rid of someone who hasn't lived up to the promise and and uh, Alexis will get out of jail, basically. I mean, it's, it's, I mean they, they lost Perisic and they get uh, Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. I mean, that's that to me is... Um, I mean, talk about direct replacement. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're replacing like for like. I know Alexis hasn't played to that you know, probably old Arsenal Alexis or Chile Alexis yeah. of old, but he still has enough left in the tank, you know, to put in a shift. And as far as um, Bayern go, um, obviously we're going to touch on that, getting Philippe Coutinho. Mm. That, on top of Perisic. That I think could possibly be the steal of the season mm. because you're talking about now a cherry on top of the cake because Bayern Munich will always be Bayern Munich. They're a formidable team. But adding a player like Philippe Coutinho... That gives you at least 10 goals in a season from midfield. And I think that's what Bayern probably lacked last season. Was mm. that outside of Lewandowski, you know, Robin and Ribéry obviously won like the, the last sort of a bit of their legs. Mm. And they didn't have enough goals coming from midfield. And you know Coutinho is going to come and rifle in at least 10 goals this season. So I think that really boosts their chances of not only retaining the Bundesliga again, mm. but I think in the Champions League. And you now have to wonder if you're Barcelona... I mean, having watched them against Athletic Bilbao, Oof. they look very shaky yep. and plucky. God forbid they should play Bayern Munich with a very motivated and angry and charged mm. Philippe Coutinho. Okay, well, fair point. And uh, Bayern, yeah, they, they they will they go into that uh, into this season uh, of 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 the the Bundesliga again as favourites. So it will just really help Coutinho as well, just to get his confidence back because he's another man that, you know, is a confidence player at his best. When he's confident and he's happy, he's easily one of the best midfielders and forwards in, in, in world football. So we're looking forward to seeing him in action over at the Alliance Arena. Uh, another sort of really interesting uh, uh, sort of point that you've just made is the point of Barcelona. And La Liga has started. They started with a, a negative result at Bilbao. Uh, it's not the place you want to go if you're not confident. Bilbao will make it difficult for you, even if you are peak Barcelona. But again, we just saw what the Blaugrana are without Lionel Messi. At the moment, in fact, the last three seasons, you can safely say Barcelona without Messi is literally probably 60% less of what Barcelona can be. Yeah. And I mean, even when Messi does come back, I mean, I don't think... I honestly think last season was Messi's, you know, he could again prove us wrong. <laughs> I think that was Messi's last season of that absolute phenomenal mm. Lionel Messi 50 goal a season. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, he's coming in, you know, he's got an injury at the start of the season and he's just a different guy now. I think he doesn't care if he wins the next, they've robbed him the last two, but he doesn't <laughs> care if he wins the next FIFA World Best yeah. or the next Ballon d'Or. I think he's really set now on just, you know, putting the finishing touches in his career. But the one thing that did um, disappoint me about um, Barcelona was that, I mean, you talk about Messi not being there, but then there was some, I mean, Griezmann didn't step up you know, even Frankie de Jong didn't look anywhere near like the Ajax Frankie de Jong. Obviously, it's going to take some time, you know, to learn the Barca system. I mean, we've seen so many players that were good, you know, signed for Barcelona. And it probably takes them a season, yeah. you know, or two to adjust. But I just don't see what the structure is going to be without Lionel Messi. Mm. And that was what was disappointing was that they just couldn't seem to get it right. And I mean, I don't think Messi is going to play every single game. Mm. So... Valverde is really under pressure this season. I mean, he survived the axe last season, so yeah. he's really like under the watch. All the yeah. more important then for them, if they are seriously in for Neymar as, as much as we are led to believe, all the more important for them to actually go out and get him there. Because what we did see with Neymar at Barcelona is that when Messi was injured or was missing from the picture, Neymar you know, had no problems taking up the mantle and leading Barcelona forward. So you still need that type of player because yeah. if you got... Suarez, who you know is it's know, Messi's he's out, out there. for some time now. Suarez is out for some time now. So if that team, that Barcelona team, goes into the second game of the season and again struggles, you know you are now playing catch up again in 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 a, in a season where Real Madrid are meant to be the team still playing catch up. But based on how they played with the players that are allegedly out of fa- out of favor, then you know things and, can and get I mean, a bit tricky. You look at a, a motivated financially backed Atletico Madrid uh, yeah, this season. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to be an interesting um, team to watch this season. And quite frankly, I, I think Barcelona, I don't think they're going to win the league this season, to be honest with you. I know it's just off one game and, you know, Barcelona will, they'll still have their highlight games where mm-hmm. they're winning 5-0 and Tiki Taka is just, you know, the talk of the town for the next couple of weeks. Messi's free kicks mm-hmm. and so forth. But, you know, even with within preseason, there was just something about them that just didn't look, you know, formidable. And I, they've, they carried it over into the first game against Atletico Bilbao, mm. and they could have easily lost four, that game 4-0, mm. you know. And Barca's biggest problem to me, I think, is the defence. I don't know what the arrangement is with Barcelona and Gerard Piquet because, man, that guy's really past his prime. And, you know, they, they're just running straight past him. Mm. You know, it's not even a matter of his ability anymore. He just can't keep up. And I think they might have to look to move on from PK after this season. If mm. not, maybe from as immediate as January. Because PK doesn't look the same. And his his age and his legs, you can just see that, you know, this is a guy that maybe, you know, should bid farewell, you know, this season and just go and join to America. David and, and join David Villa and Iniesta in, in, in Japan. So forth. <laughs> oh, well, well, we, again, we'll see once Messi does come back how, how much of a, a rescue job we'll have to do this time. It's really been him and rescue jobs for the past two and a half seasons at Barcelona. Uh, so we'll see what he has to do. I'm sure he'll be extremely happy if by the time he comes back, he's got Neymar uh, to look forward to uh, 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 in the Barcelona change room as well. So still keeping an eye on that one. A lot of rumors going on about which player is going to go which player is going to be part of the exchange how much uh, PSG want uh, how much money they want plus two players Coutinho was meant to be uh, well, apparently but gone now he's now. gone so uh, that that opens the door for someone else to be included in that exchange we'll see we've got uh, what 8 days yeah. uh, 10 11 days remaining before 
the window. About a week and a half, basically. A week and a half before the window does fully close. And a lot will happen between now and then. Make no mistake about that. But we have to touch on Real Madrid before we we do go. Because uh, all the doom and gloom of pre-season. And then they come. They go to the Balaidos. Another place where... It's a difficult place. Very difficult place to to visit. And again, you got players who uh, were... To just a few days ago were literally 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 hanging on <laughs> and not wanting to leave because they were being shown the exit door they step up and they do the job no you know what you know Real Madrid guys pound for pound they still have one of the best squads mm. if not the best squad yeah. on paper yeah you know and I think Zinedine Zidane's no fool as much as he may not want Gareth Bale, but he's no fool. He realizes, listen, he got a Champions League because of Gareth Bale yeah. with some a, a few assists from Karras, right? But he, he's no fool. He realizes that Gareth Bale is a threat and he poses something in football that, you know, only the likes of Ronaldo does, that mm. physical specimen who's fast. Mm. He's good with the ball at his feet, deadly inside the box, deadly in the air. That sort of play you can't leave out, you know, whether you like him, whether you don't like yeah. him. So... I think you will see a lot more bail. And also, it doesn't serve Real Madrid paying somebody 600000 and parking him on the bench yeah. either. You know, So you don't want that to be you know, the, the, the headline for the next you know, 8 to 10 months as to when is Bale going to play, when is Bale going to play. And I think Zidane's going to play it smart. I think what he'll do is he'll play Bale in the games maybe where he just doesn't fancy you know, the opposition <laughs> being a threat and just stick him out there. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't see anything, you know, that's going to go pear-shaped for Bale and his relationship with Real Madrid this season. Zidane has to play him, mm. and he will. So I thought, you know, I'm, the way I'm looking at it now, you know, uh, Bale has got nothing to lose. Okay, he didn't get his move to China. But hey, he's still getting £600,000 a week. At Real Madrid. At Real Madrid. And he knows they're going to have to play him at some point. Yeah. So... I think Bale, at the end of the day, is the bigger winner out of all this, you know, shenanigans that's happened all season. Mm. He's the bigger winner. And I think in Gareth Bale's case, to be fair to him, to be fair, I know a lot of people have criticized him. Oh, he can't speak Spanish. He's not the most sociable guy and so forth. To be fair, he's been a professional, you know. Mm. Look what happened with Koscielny uh, in, the, um, in preseason with Arsenal. The guy, okay, he was promised that he was going to leave on a free and so forth, and things went sour. Guy just down tools, didn't come to preseason, and then releases that video of him revealing, you know, uh, Bordeaux with the Arsenal top. Do, do you know what I mean? Whereas Bale, throughout this entire process, has been professional. He's turned up to training, he's put in a shift, hasn't pulled these stunts of, oh, no, I'm sick, I'm not coming, he hasn't gone AWOL. So I think, you know, to be fair, Gareth Bale has really been a professional. And you're going to get that even on the field. Mm. Yeah. All right. No. Good. Well, well up to him, actually, for showing up in game one and then and, and driving Madrid forward. And uh, they won their first game. Barcelona didn't. Uh, Atletico looked really good. So uh, we're looking forward to another really uh, enticing season over in Spain. But that is pretty much all we do have then for episode four. Thank you so much for lending us your ear over the past hour or so. My name is Luazi Zikubu. Hola, Makwaza. And from all of us here on Pitch Invasion, goodbye for now. Pitch Invasion is the podcast for football travelers. To contribute to the show, pose a topic of debate, or just complain about your favorite team, send us a WhatsApp voice note on plus two seven six zero nine two one six nine seven seven. 
That's plus two seven six zero nine two one six nine seven seven. Or send us a text message starting with hashtag Pitch Invasion. Remember to follow the Pitch Invasion podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the username Pitch Invaded.